is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Welcome to the third week of our Advent series. My name's Sarah. I'm married to Fred and I've got three children, Naomi, Nathan and Eloise. And they are nine, seven and four years old. So as you can imagine, one and a half weeks to go to Christmas and they are so excited. And we've been planning and preparing for Christmas for a while now. Decorations are up. Uh, We've been baking cookies and eating cookies and baking more cookies. Um, And I've started already, which is the earliest I've ever started it actually, is wrapping the Christmas presents. Now I've decided this year to follow my family's tradition. So my mum and dad were very good and keen to wrap the presents as a disguise. So they used to have a bag of boxes of all different kind of varieties that they used to keep in their loft. And every year they'd bring this bag of boxes down and they would have a little look and think about which box they wanted to hide the different presents in. So for example, they might choose a really small gift and they'd put it into a really big box and like weigh that box down with some heavy books. So that on Christmas morning, you thought, oh wow, I've got this really big heavy present. And then of course, when you've opened it up, it ended up being something small and light. And it was just a, a, a nice way that we used to, you used to really enjoy it because that way you never knew entirely what it was that you were opening. But of course, I forgot to tell Fred about this particular tradition. So the first time he joined us as a family for Christmas, he got this kind of cuboid present and he was opening it up and the paper revealed a water filter. A water filter. Now he did know that my parents do give practical presents at Christmas time. You know, it wasn't unusual for them to wrap up a household appliance um, or something that you know that we needed that was more practical. And so he was giving this really fake smile. Oh, thank you for this water filter. And I could see it in his eyes, so I thought I'll come to his rescue and say to him, Come on, Fred, open it up, open it up, let's see what's inside. And he was thinking to himself, Sarah, stop it. Um, I don't want to prolong this any longer. I don't want a water filter. Anyway, sure enough, he um, did as he was told and he put his hand inside the box and pulled out a bottle of whiskey. Hurrah! Now, those of you who know Fred know that he could now genuinely smile um, because this was actually a gift that he would really want at Christmas time. And this is one of the things that I love about the Christmas story. There's so many unexpected surprises. We've already seen how God picked a young, humble peasant girl to be the mother of his son. And it was Bethlehem that was chosen to be the birthplace. Now, the prophet Micah tells us that actually Bethlehem was the smallest amongst all the clans of Judah, seemingly insignificant. And it was a cave or more traditionally known as a stable, which was the actual room where his son was born. And not only that, it was a manger, an animal's trough, which was his first bed. So many unexpected surprises. And today we're going to be looking at who was chosen to be the first to hear that God's son had been born and the first to visit. Now, we all know how exciting it can be 
when a pregnant mum is approaching her due date because it's the end to an expected waiting. And we've got our phones ready, we're waiting for that phone call or we're waiting for the buzz of a text message. Or it might be that we're watching every day Facebook and Instagram, wanting to see the first glimpse of the baby. And well, certainly for me, I just want to know what name's been chosen. Well, obviously, it wasn't like that back in the Bible time. There was no way of sending the, the message um, worldwide so instantly. You know, they had to pick a messenger, somebody who would spread the news and tell everybody that a baby had been born. So who was it going to be? Who was going to get to hear that God's son had arrived? Who was going to be the first to hear his name? Who was going to be the one tasked with the job of telling people that this baby had arrived? It was, of course, the shepherds. And at first glance, this seems like another unexpected surprise. It wasn't to kings and queens. It wasn't to uh, rabbis or priests, theologians or philosophers. It, it, it wasn't announced in a throne room or in the temple in Jerusalem. No, it was news that was announced to shepherds in a field. Well, shepherds were uneducated. They um, were considered to be quite low in the social hierarchy of the day. Shepherding was a really humble trade. You didn't earn very much money. And let's face it, they didn't smell of roses. Um, and yet it was to them that this uh, announcement was made, another one of God's unexpected surprises. Now, shepherding was usually quite a lonely job. It was usually the youngest son in a family, um, and he spent many hours outside taking the sheep to pastures for feeding or to a well for a drink. And it was quite often known that a shepherd would have a flute um, and they would play music to themselves as a way of keeping themselves company during the long hours of the day. But at night time, the shepherds used to gather together. And why was that? Well, it was obviously because at night time, their flock were the most vulnerable to attack. And so that's why they came together so they could work together to protect and watch over the entire flock. And what we see is no different on this night. The shepherds had gathered together, but it turned out to be the most extraordinary night shift. Let's read it together. You can find it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful story of the birth of your son. Father God, this may be a story that we're hearing for the first time, or it might be a story that is very familiar to us. But I pray for each one of us this morning that we will hear this story afresh, that we will open up the ears of our hearts, and that we would encounter you through the story of the shepherds and that what we hear would really resonate with us, Lord, and it would really change our hearts. Would you please speak to us, we pray, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you imagine what it would have been like? The shepherds gathered together, looking out into the night sky, watching, waiting and listening for any signs of danger. When all of a sudden, they're surrounded by this bright light, the light of the glory of God. And once their eyes had adjusted to this sudden brightness, there before them was an angel, a messenger for he from heaven. No wonder they were terrified. And no wonder the first three words that the angel says is, don't be afraid. I mean, this angel knows that their presence would make more than a few knees knock. And then the angel speaks again and says, I've come. I've come to bring you news of great joy that will be for all the people. And it's no surprise that Luke really wants to emphasise this because he's writing to the Gentiles and he is keen to make, take hold of any opportunity to let the, his readers know that the birth of Jesus wasn't just for a chosen nation like the Jews. The birth of Jesus was for everyone. His son came to heaven for all of mankind. Now, then we get to verse 11. And in verse 11, we get three things. We get the when, the where, and the who. When, today. Today, the waiting is over. I mean, since, since the incident in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God's people have been looking forward to this day. I mean, they've had prophets talk about who was coming, but they just never knew when. And yet here the angel is saying, today, the wait is over. Today, 
This is the most momentous moment in history. This is a, a, a life-changing moment for all of mankind. This is the day that God put on flesh and came to earth. And where? In the town of David. Now, there's no doubt that these shepherds knew who David was. I mean, David himself was a shepherd from Bethlehem. For all we know, David had been a shepherd on the very field where the shepherds stood that evening. And the shepherds would have known as well that although David began as a shepherd, God called him and anointed him to be the king. And God had given David a promise and had said to him, your kingdom is going to be a kingdom that will last forever. And so hearing that Bethlehem was the town of David shows us that actually it wasn't insignificant at all that Bethlehem was chosen to be the birthplace of God's son. It was a very, very deliberate because it was the home of King David. And we know, of course, that Jesus, his lineage, we can look back and trace it all the way back to King David himself. And what was his name, the who? Well, the angel gives him three names, Saviour, Christ and Lord. And all of these names speak of a fulfilment of the long-awaited promises of the prophets. And they tell us why Jesus came. He is our Saviour. Who of you like Christmas carols? Oh, it's one of the things I love about Christmas. I wish we could sing Christmas carols all through the year. And in part of my preparation for this preach, I've been looking particularly at the carol of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was written originally as a poem uh, by Charles Wesley, and he wrote it shortly after he became a Christian. And his heart was to be able to explain um, just the... the the wonderful meaning behind the, the angel's announcement. And as you read those words, you can hear him say, you know, that Jesus came as a saviour because he came to reconcile sinners to God. And again, going back to the Garden of Eden, and that's where the, there was the curse of sin. And it caused a separation between God and his people. And yet here we are, um, knowing that this tiny baby that has been born is our saviour. He, he's the rescuer, the one that the prophets have already spoken about. And he has come so that man no more may die. It is a wonderful carol. I recommend you going and reading through those words today um, as a family. There's such uh, rich meaning um, in, in all, all of the words of, of that carol. But also... Um, Luke tells us that he, the angel said that he is Christ the Lord. Um, and both of those words, again, reflect back on the messianic promise that, that the one who God would send would be the Messiah. And that this really was Emmanuel, um, God with us. If that angel's announcement hadn't been enough of a surprise, imagine what it was like when moments later, the sky was filled with a multitude of angels. I've done my best to find out how many exactly is a multitude. Do you know what I found out? 
it's a whole lot. Um, and these aren't the angels that we see on greeting cards or cartoon characters. This was a heavenly army. The sight would have been incredible, but imagine the sound as this heavenly host joined together with one voice singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. It was almost like the whole of heaven wanted to be there at the announcement of the saviour of the world. And then it says the angels returned to heaven. So what we've read so far shows us that there was this divine revelation of who God's son was going to be and why he came. But there's also a personal invitation. I'll just read it one last time. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. To you, wherever you are right now, God sent his son, the saviour of the world, for you. He loves you. You are of great value to him. And the gift of his son is a gift waiting to be received. So as soon as the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds turned to one another and said, let's go. They didn't hang around. I mean, what great faith. They just got up and they went to, to Bethlehem straight away. And they knew exactly where to find the manger. But can you imagine it? Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph must have thought when these smelly shepherds just turned up uh, wanting to see the baby uh, in the manger? Can you imagine the kind of conversations they had and what Mary and Joseph must have thought as they heard the story of the angels and, and what they had said? I mean, it would have resonated with them because both Mary and Joseph themselves had encountered angels. Uh, we're not entirely sure about those conversations that took place around the manger, but we do know that, that Mary treasured them and, and she pondered them in her heart. But the more I thought about this and the more reading I've done around it, I actually think that it was a very deliberate choice um, by God to have the shepherds to be the first to witness the birth of his son. You see, it's highly likely that these shepherds were temple shepherds. Um, Bethlehem was only a few miles away from Jerusalem, which is where the temple was. And the sheep that they looked after would have been the sheep that were sacrificed for the Passover. Uh, the sheep they looked after were known as uh, fat-tailed sheep and they gave birth um, in the wintertime as opposed to the springtime. And it was really important for a shepherd to be present when the lambs were born because more often than not, a sheep would give birth to more than one lamb. And so the shepherd needed to ensure that they knew who was the firstborn. And, and they did that by tying a red cloth, not red cloth, a red thread, just around, around the sheep, the lamb, to identify this one being the firstborn. And it was their job to ensure that this lamb was spotless um, and blemish free. And one of the ways that they used to protect this newborn lamb was to wrap them in swaddling cloths. And it would then mean that they were able to bear witness at the temple and say, this is the lamb, the pure spotless lamb who was the firstborn. And that lamb would then go on to be sacrificed during the Passover time. 
And so we can see the significance of the shepherds through that, that God chose them to be the witnesses, to be able to bear testimony, and that this baby went on to be known as the Lamb of God. It was John the Baptist who first said it, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. You see, this baby was going to put an end to all animal sacrifices because he himself would be the sacrifice. He himself was the pure spotless lamb and the lamb who was slain, um, slain for us. You see, the story of Christmas always points back to the cross and what Jesus did there for us reconciled us back to God. And so really, the shepherds needed to be there to be the witness that this was the firstborn son of God and to be the ones to bear testimony to this. So after the shepherds left Mary, Joseph and, and the baby, they went out and they spread the good news. They told people all of the, all that they had seen and heard. It was the real celebration. Uh, of the shepherds that, that we read about, they were so enthusiastic. Once they'd met Jesus, they, they couldn't help it but tell the people. And you can imagine people's amazement. Who said, said what? As they heard what the shepherds had to say. And, and I was thinking about it. And, you know, shepherds are used to using their voices. And um, they used to call their sheep all the time uh, to stop them from going astray. And, and here they are on this night telling people about Jesus, God's son who had just been born and, and whose life, should we choose to follow it, would stop ourselves from going astray. We see real joy in the shepherds. It, it just bubbles up in their hearts and, and, and out uh, to all those that were listening. It. And um, for those of you who know about Advent and who've celebrated it before, if you've used the Advent wreath, you will know that the candle that's lit to get today is the pink candle. And that pink candle represents and symbolises joy. And when I was praying for this preach, um, it, it's what I always do whenever I share anything from the Bible with people, I pray and, and say, God, what is on your heart? What, what do you want to say through this passage of scripture? And I heard him so clearly. And I heard him say, I'm still good news of great joy. I'm still good news of great joy. And 2020 has been a rubbish year. It's been a year full of bad news. Coronavirus, it, it, it's taken lives, it's taken businesses, it's taken jobs, it, it's taken children's schoolings, you know, it's taken away hugs, you know, it's enforced um, two metres socially distanced, you know, relationships with people that are outside of our bubble. It's, it's brought immense loneliness and it's brought fear into the hearts of so many. And I'm sure some of you have other sad headlines, personal ones to you from this year. Who's put up their decorations early this year? It, it seemed to me that as soon as 
um, the fireworks stopped. People started putting up their Christmas trees and their Christmas lights. And to me, that really shows a real hunger for joy. There's a real desperation in people's hearts for things to just delight them. And, and why not put your decorations up? I love decorations and, and they do delight my heart. And um, But today I, I want to tell you about a joy that lasts forever. And, and it's not a joy that ignores the sadness. It's a joy that reminds us of the victory. It's a joy that reminds us that God did intervene, that this baby in the manger was the start and the cross was the finish. This joy is about us being brought back to God to be able to have that relationship with him. It's about knowing that we are his children and that he loves us so very, very much. It's the joy of having accepted that personal invitation of knowing that Jesus, the saviour of the world, was born for me. He was born for you. And if you don't know that joy today, then please can I encourage you at the end of today's service just to um, talk to somebody on the chat or to talk to somebody you know who has already found that joy. And for those of you who have that joy in your heart, who are you going to share that joy with this year? Who do you know has a real hunger for that joy in, in their lives? Can I ask you just to, to think about that for a moment? Is it someone in your family, somebody in your street? Um, a relative you've not spoken to for a while? Who needs to know and hear the joy that Jesus brings? And then the last bit of the story, um, it tells us that the shepherds returned, presumably to their fields, um, praising and glorifying God um, for all that he had done. And I want to encourage us to have the voice of a shepherd that we may, you know, enter into this Advent time with thankfulness in our hearts that that we can choose to recount what God has done through, through the story of the Bible, but also personal stories of what he's done in our lives. And let's use this as a time to really give thanks. So right now, where, where, wherever you are, can, can you think of just maybe five things that, that you are thankful for, for what God has done? Well, I really hope that you've encountered God through the story of the shepherds. I know um, it was a real challenge to me in preparing this and God really spoke to me. And I've known this joy in my heart for a long time. Um, I was seven when I first found the joy of Jesus. And, you know, this is 30 some years later now and I still have that joy in my heart. Um, and so I just encourage you to find that joy and to take hold of it and to make it personal to you today. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we give you thanks and we glorify you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that because of him, uh, the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world, we have an everlasting joy. 
we have the joy of knowing that there is going to be another day coming when you will come again. Thank you that we can have the joy today of knowing that we belong to you and that we can know you and love you. Father God, I pray that you would point us to people who need to hear this good news, who need to hear the joy that you bring. God, I pray that you would open up doors of opportunity to us to go and share this good news and that we would really would take on the voice of a shepherd and to lead people to you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.